0: And uh, we're we're looking at Ephesians' uh, series on the transformed life based on the book of Ephesians. And hopefully you've begun to see from this letter that Paul deals with, amongst other things, three important aspects of life, namely our identity, the human need to belong, and life's Purpose and again today, as we continue in chapter two, if you want to be looking there in whatever device you use, I still use the old-fashioned scroll, as you can see, but uh, well, a battered Bible anyway. Uh, but you'll see as we move into chapter three that these uh, two, rather, that these three matters will be evident, but especially Paul's explanation of God's provision to meet our human need to belong. And so I've entitled today's teaching as the wonder of belonging. Just say that to the person next to you, the wonder (laughs) of belonging. And I wonder if you've ever felt left out, maybe excluded from a group of people who you regard as friends, or maybe not included in a special occasion, how did it leave you feeling? Excluded? Disappointed? maybe even rejected. Well, at the heart of today's message is that you are not excluded by God from being part of His chosen people. You've just missed a good place to say hallelujah. (laughs) If through faith, in the death and resurrection of Jesus, you have been born again, as has been testified by these people this morning, then you are in Christ And as we saw a few weeks ago from Ephesians chapter 1, in Christ, you are blessed with having been chosen by God and adopted into his family. And today we come to verse 11 of Ephesians chapter 2, which in the New International Version I'm going to use, starts with the words, therefore, remember. When you see therefore, you always want to ask the question, why for? Why for should we remember? And if you look back to the verses which precede verse 11, you will realize that Paul is saying, because as Christian believers, we have been made alive with Christ through God's great love, mercy, and grace, then we should keep on remembering the position we were in before we were saved. Now, sometimes the Bible urges us to forget the former things. But in this instance, Paul led by the Holy Spirit, urges us, encourages us not to forget the situation that we've been redeemed from. I'm reminded how King David, despite his serious imperfections, was known as a man after God's own heart. And the scriptures tell us how David never ever forgot where he had come from. In the Psalms, it speaks of how God had chosen him and taken him from the sheep pens to be the shepherd of God's people, Israel. And in a similar way, God has chosen each of us, many, dare I say, from unusual situations and given us a new purpose in life. And so it's great to be together, isn't it? And so Paul says, reading from Ephesians 2, picking up in verse 11, therefore, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, that done in the body by the hands of men, remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners or strangers to the covenants of the promise. Without hope and without God, in the world but now say but now but now in christ jesus you who once were far away have been brought near through the blood of christ for he himself is our peace who has made the two one and destroyed the barrier the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing in his flesh the law with its commandments and regulations his purpose was to create in himself one new man or one new humanity out of the two thus making peace and in this one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility he came and he preached peace to you who were afar away and also peace to those who were near for through him We both, Jews and Gentiles, have access to the Father by one Spirit, capital S, Holy Spirit. Consequently, you, we, are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ himself as the chief cornerstone. In him the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord and in him you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Let's consider more fully what Paul is explaining in these verses. Simply put, Paul says, firstly, remember your past situation. Like the early Christian believers in the church in Ephesus, before we accepted Christ as our Savior, we were, most of us anyway, non-Jews. We were unbelieving Gentiles who were distant from God, secondly, excluded from his people, and thirdly, outside of God's covenant promises. Before Jesus Provided a new and living way, the only way to be included in God's people was to be born a Jew. Gentiles, non Jews, were regarded by the Jews as, in a derisory way, as uncircumcised dogs. They regarded them as outsiders, as indeed they were, we were, excluded from being part of God's chosen people, and thus separated from God and strangers to the covenant which God has made with his people. As Gentiles, which, looking around, most if not all of us are, before Christ, we were thus in this world, the scripture says, without hope and without God. But now, I like the but now's in this section. Verse 13, in Christ Jesus, You who were far away from God have been brought near to God. If you are saved, you are in Christ Jesus, then you can now rejoice in your new standing. Because through Christ's shed blood, Paul says, we have been brought near to God, we've been reconciled, and thirdly, given access to God as Father. Let's unpack this a little bit. Now through the precious shed blood of Jesus, through the scourging, through the piercing, the nail to the cross, we've been brought near to God. No longer is God distant to those of us who are in Christ. Hallelujah. And secondly, we've been reconciled. I would suggest to you a common desire of most people seems to be to live in a world of peace, But sadly, conflict within families and to varying degrees hostility between people groups is all too common in our fallen world, such as the atrocities of the ongoing war in Ukraine and the more recent fighting in Sudan. There have, of course, been notable times in world history when reconciliation has been achieved, such as when after almost 30 years of division, in November 1989, the separating wall between West and East Berlin was demolished. Some of us are old enough to remember that. Some of you are not. There was reconciliation, and Germany was unified. Paul, however, explains in verses 14 to 17 that we've just read, that when Jesus died on the cross, he destroyed a more significant barrier than the Berlin Wall. He def- he destroyed... The dividing wall of hostility. In his sacrificial death, in yours and my place, Jesus re-established peace between God and man. In his dying moments, he declared victoriously from the cross, it is finished. And as Hugh, who must have been the sort of warm-up act this morning, said already this morning, at that moment, the massive thick curtain in the temple was was rent in two. That which separated the earthly abode of God, the Holy of Holies, from worshippers, was torn in two, symbolizing that the way to God was now open to all. Before we were saved, we were enemies of God. But we've been reconciled to Him through Christ's shed blood, and as Rome and as Hebrews four sixteen says, we can now draw near to God's throne confident, confident. Every time we will receive grace and mercy to help us in our times of need. However, the emphasis in these verses of Scripture is not so much on Jesus dying to bring peace and reconciliation between. Uh, God and man, but between human beings, particularly between Jews and Gentiles. The result of Jesus' death, Paul explains, was to abolish, not the commandments, but the effect of the commandments and religious regulations which causes separation between Jews and Gentiles. You see, as good And holy, as the Old Testament law was and is, it excludes non-Jews who are outside of the law, and furthermore, it actually fails to provide salvation for those who try and keep the law, because no one can perfectly keep the law. Paul explains, however, that now in Christ, that separating barrier has been removed through Christ's death and there's a new and living way to be saved through faith in what Jesus has done. It's not about what we have to do. It's about what he has already done. Hallelujah. He declared on the cross, it is finished. I've done it all that needs to happen. And it's now available to all peoples, no matter what nationality you are. It's available not just to the Jewish people, but to Gentile nations, to all of us. And so through the cross, Jesus destroyed the dividing wall of hostility between Jew and Gentiles and created in Christ one new humanity, a new race of born-again people. Hostile groups, Jews and Gentiles, have been brought together together In Christ. Jesus, Paul says, himself is our peace. Through him, we have peace with God and we can be at peace with ourselves, and we can be at peace with others. In view of what Christ has done, therefore, through his death, I want to encourage us, us, be careful, not to consciously or even unconsciously erect, as it were, walls, that could cause separation between one another and Redeemer. Be it from age or nationality or any other thing or prejudice, let's make every effort to maintain our unity in Christ. Through Christ's shed blood, we've been brought near to God and reconciled. And thirdly, through Christ's shed blood, we've been given access to God as Father. Verse 18. In Christ, it says in verse 18, we now have access to God as Father through Jesus Christ by the Holy Spirit. Notice the involvement of all three persons of the Godhead. Access to the Father through Jesus by the Holy Spirit. Before the death of Jesus, access to God was restricted, as he was already said, to just the one high priest and then only once a year But now, amazingly, we have access to God 24-7. And hang on, there's something even more wonderful because we have access to and an intimate relationship with God as Father. You see, unsaved people can only experience Him as the Creator, all-powerful God, as it were, from a distance. But in Christ, we have access to Him as our Father, The words of the old Noel Richards song are absolutely right. We can be in his presence. We can sit at his feet where his love surrounds us and makes us complete. That's my desire. Is it yours? If, like me, you've visited Buckingham Palace, I mean as a tourist, there's only two people in this church I know of that went by royal invitation, But if you've ever visited as a tourist, then you'll know that whilst everyone can stand and gaze at the king's throne in the throne room, only family and those serving close to the monarch have the right of access through a hidden door to the private rooms of the king. And friends, in a similar way, as a child of God, as part of, of God's royal family, now we can and we should, of course, worship the Lord as our reigning king seated on his throne. But in Christ, we have access to God as father. Incredibly, we could spend time in the intimate presence of the powerful God who is, as our reminded us a couple of weeks ago, our Abba, our daddy. Oh, Daddy, Daddy, I love you. I love you. It's a royal privilege. Oh. Let's be people who rejoice in our new standing. Through Christ's shed blood, we've been brought near to God. Don't underestimate that. We've been reconciled and we've given access to God. As Father, Not just the all-creator, powerful God that he is, of course he is, but to God as Father. And continuing into verses 19 through to 22, there's even more for us to reflect upon. For in these verses, Paul speaks of three aspects concerning our new status as God's children. Firstly, in Christ, you have become a citizen of God's kingdom. Now, I'm aware that unlike myself, some of you are not citizens of the United Kingdom by birth. You may have lived and worked here for many years, but you don't have UK citizenship. And therefore, it's possible you may not feel that you fully belong. Now, in speaking of our status in Christ, Paul asserts, That those who were formerly Gentiles, those who were foreigners to the kingdom of God, outside of God's kingdom, are now fellow citizens with God's people. We fully belong. Now, some of you, you may have had to wait five years, then pass a test, then pay a price of something in the order of a thousand pounds to become a citizen of the United Kingdom. But, friends, you don't have to wait. You don't have to pass a test. You don't have to buy your way into the kingdom of God. The scripture says now is the day of salvation. Jesus has paid for your right to be a citizen of God's kingdom with his precious shed blood. And as Paul says in Philippians 3.20, for us who are believers, our citizenship is now in heaven. And friends, I'll tell you this, God's kingdom, I've done a lot of traveling in my days, but God's kingdom is superior to every other kingdom or country that you can visit. And it has got a magnificent capital city, the heavenly Jerusalem. And as believers, we eagerly await a saviour from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. King Charles' reign will come to an end. But our king's reign will never end. As Isaiah prophesied concerning the birth of Jesus, of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Jesus, friends, is, like, is a king like no other. And he's my king. I swore my allegiance, not to Charles, to Jesus many years ago. What about you? Is he truly your king? Does he reign within your heart and life? In Christ, through faith in the precious death and resurrection of Jesus, you become in Christ. In Christ, you have become a citizen of God's kingdom. Secondly, also from verse 19, you have become a member of God's family. The NIV translation actually says that as believers, we've become members of God's household, not family. But we need to understand a household in the culture of that time was what we might call today an extended family. As Hugh shared a few weeks ago, back when we were in chapter 1, One of the spiritual blessings with which we have been blessed is we've been adopted into God's family. Unlike foster children, adopted children fully belong to the family. In Christ, we have become fully members of God's family by adoption. But wait for it, we've also been born into God's family through being reborn of the Spirit of God. As the song truly says, in my father's house, there's a place for me. I'm a child of God. I am. Do you have that assurance? Because you can have before you leave here today. No longer need you be a slave to fear. You can be a child of God. And thirdly, from verses 21 and 22, in Christ, you become a part of God's temple. There's a common understanding in most religions that gods dwell in temples or other such special buildings. And in Old Testament times, our God, the one true God, manifested his presence during the Israelites' wilderness wanderings in the tabernacle, a portable tent-like dwelling place, and subsequent to that, in the Jerusalem temple, but since Christ's death, resurrection, and his coronation as King of Kings, when the Holy Spirit was poured out on the day of Pentecost, then incredibly, God has chosen the physical body of individual believers to be his temple, to be his dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. And furthermore, as both Paul and Peter explain, God by his Spirit also dwells in in his people collectively. Paul says, writing to the church in Corinth, and I'm reading from the Amplified Version, do you not understand that you, the whole church in Corinth, you together, collectively, are God's temple, his sanctuary, and that God's Spirit has his dwelling in you. It's a plural word. To be at home in you collectively, as a church. This building's not the church. We're the church. And in his first letter, Peter says, in that regard, whenever we gather together unto Christ, the living stone, rejected by men, but chosen by God, we also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house or temple. And in verse 21 of Ephesians 2 that we just read, Paul explains that in Christ the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple. And he continues in verse 22 to say that in Christ the believers in Ephesus were being built together to become such a dwelling in which God could live by his Spirit. Friends, through our common faith, and union in Christ, we are being built together into a holy temple where God can dwell and manifest his presence in our midst. I want to prophesy. I want to speak out the truth. There's a building rising in Colchester known as Redeemer Church. It's not a building of bricks, but a spiritual house being built from living stones, from born-again spirit-filled people. And with God in the midst, friends, anything can happen. That's what makes church different to any other, dare I say, organization. The presence of God. You see, it's not enough to just be part of God's worldwide family through faith in Christ. God's intention is that believers will each be a joined part of one of His temples of living stones. Hopefully this morning you've grasped that the overall message of, the, of these verses that we've looked at is that God has provided an eternal redemption plan for all people. Not just for the chosen nation of Israel. Through faith in Christ, you can belong to God's people. And so what is your response going to be? What? what should our response be to all of this i like my alliteration so they all begin with b <laughs> firstly the scripture teaches us it starts with believing in romans 10:9 paul clearly states that if you confess with your mouth that jesus is lord and believe in your heart that he died in your place and that God raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. You will become a new creation in Christ. We've been declaring this morning what a powerful name it is, the name of Jesus. Yes, it is. It can take us from from dead in our sins to alive in Christ. It can take away shame and give us fresh purpose. He's a wonderful name, the powerful name of Jesus. Firstly, you have to believe. Secondly, to be baptised. When Christ's church was birthed on the day of Pentecost, which will be celebrated next week, and the people heard Peter's message, their hearts were touched. I hope your hearts have been touched this morning. And they asked, what shall we do then? And Peter replied, repent. That's to turn away from your old way of living and be baptised, Acts 2.38. And it's recorded how... On that occasion, some 3,000 accepted Peter's message and they were baptized and they were added to their number. There was no delay from believing to baptism, dare I say. I know some of us, me included, didn't have the teaching and didn't understand that, but you've had the teaching. And note, it says they were baptized and added to their number. So the third B Important, B, is we are to belong. You see, the baptism actually is intended to be the first sign that they didn't just believe, but they also now belong to God's people. I'm told that when a Muslim turns to Christ and accepts him as a saviour, it is when they get water baptised that their family will often disown them Because the family, you see, recognise that the step they're taking of obedience to follow Jesus is a sign that that person now belongs to another faith. They're now part of another family. The family of the true God. Baptism by full immersion is an important sign of belonging to God's worldwide family. And today, there is opportunity... To be baptised. I'm reminded how the Ethiopian unit when it was being explained to him, he said, here is water. What does hinder me? Well, we've got water this morning. What does hinder you? And I'll tell you something else. I've got a towel and another change of clothes. Because in the prayer meeting, this was my confirming word, that the Holy Spirit had been speaking to me. One of the elders prayed out, we've got three baptisms this morning. No, actually, I feel it may be four. What does hinder you? from taking a step of obedience. Speak to one of the elders if God is, is, is encouraging you to go through the walls of baptism. And you may be the fourth one this morning. Don't stone me if I'm a false prophet. <laughs> I'll tell you something, though. I, I renounce that. I'm not a false prophet. Thank you, Tom. <laughs> I'll tell you one thing I am. I'm a father with two married daughters, each of which have their own households with their own children. They're all part of my family, but we don't all live together. And there are similarities with God's great, big, worldwide family. A local church congregation is like a household within God's wider family. And God's intention is that each of us, to be a meaningful part of his family, we should belong to one of his households within his family. And to be a responsible member of a household of God's family is to be active in the life of that household, just as you would in a well-run home. You share in the household tasks. And mature sons and daughters contribute financially towards the household budget. Belonging to a household of faith, a church-like redeemer, is more than just attending some family occasions. Let me suggest some signs of belonging in addition to baptism. The sharing of lives through being an active part of a life group and through practicing hospitality. If you're not part of one of our small groups, our life groups, become one. Pauline is part of our life group. Supporting one another practically and in prayer. Serving in this household of God's family. And some of the serving is more visible than others. I want to say, where is she? Becca, thank you again for doing the PowerPoint. Everybody thinks I do brilliant PowerPoints, but we know I don't. Thanks for all you do behind the scenes. And what about giving? Giving financially to the households operating and cost. It's all part of, being, of belonging. You see, there are not only privileges of being part of a family, there are also responsibilities of belonging to a household of God's great family. Let me change the imagery. To change from Paul's imagery of family to a temple, another sign of truly longing belonging, is to be built in. That took a bit of thinking about that Be As part of God's temple of living stones, the place where he dwells, the place where we can expect him to manifest his presence in our midst, whether that be our Sunday gatherings, our prayer meetings, our life group meetings, or at other times even when two or three gather together, we have to be willing and flexible to be built in to be fitted in with other living stones. I want you to notice something. Peter and Paul never use the analogy of God's spiritual house being built with bricks, all the same size and shape. I mean, you only have to attend a life group to discover how we've all got different shapes and sizes. I'm not talking physically. <laughs> I mean, we each have different personalities, experiences, And giftings, and we each have to fit in alongside others as we worship and fellowship together. We have to make room for the contributions of one another. And we're held together by our common faith and by love and forgiveness and commitment to one another and to Christ's mission. I was struck by the sign of your school this morning, Al. I thought we could, we could replace that and put Redeemer up there. St. Benedict's living out our mission with Christ at the centre. Redeemer, living out our mission with Christ at the centre. That's what we're about, isn't it? I lost my place. <laughs> Have a look at this picture. Courtesy of Becca. Because I want to suggest to you that the biblical picture of a temple of living stones is more like the building of a dry stone wall than the building of a house with bricks and mortar. Notice the different shapes and sizes of the stones, which have been carefully fitted together. And with the building of us into God's temple, there is, however, the need for some reshaping of the individual stones. To fit together. It's not a trowel when it comes to stones. In 1 Kings chapter 6 and verse 7 where it talks about the building of the Jerusalem temple which despite how wonderful that was, was only a foreshadowing of the temple of living stones that he's building in our midst. It tells us there, there was no sound of the hammer and chisel at the temple site. The shaping was done away at the quarry. And in a similar way, our master craftsman, the Lord himself, most often shapes us Because he loves us in private settings. I'm still having bits chipped off me. We had a meeting on Thursday where some bits need to be chipped off me. But you don't necessarily see it happening on a Sunday, praise God. But he chips away at us, shapes us to better fit in to the bigger thing that he's doing. Listen, will you, to how the Living Bible paraphrase? expresses Ephesians 2, 21 through to 22. And as I read it, I really want to pray that you will grasp, all of us will grasp, in an increased measure, what the Lord is seeking to do in the building of Redeemer Church Colchester. For we who believe are carefully joined together with Christ as parts of a beautiful constantly growing temple for God and you are joined with him and with each other by the spirit and a part of this dwelling place of God. Notice, friends, we are carefully joined together and I believe we're blessed in this church to have elders who in their development of the church as a temple of God, are building carefully as those who must give an account to God, not just for their own lives, but for the way they care for God's family. And so what will your personal response be to this message today? Maybe you need to take the first step to believe, to trust. To believe in faith. Accept Jesus as your Saviour, as you've heard people speaking about. Or maybe you need to take the first biblical step of obedience in following Jesus. And be baptised. Here is water, here are clothes. Speak to one of the elders. Or do you need to take some practical Action to truly belong, such as becoming part of a life group or signing up for the next Connect evening to explore church membership. Or possibly today, if the worship band can come up, please. Possibly today, for you, the Lord is prompting you to make a fresh surrender a surrender of prejudices and your own preferences. And maybe you need some healing of past hurts so that you can be fully built into this temple which the Lord is building with this varied collection, this wonderful collection of living stones which he's brought together for such a time as this. For as Bill Hybels has said, there is nothing like the local church when the local church is working right it is the hope of the world Redeemer Church is not perfect but the Lord is building us together into his dwelling place and his intention is for you to be fully built in part either of this household of faith or another household of faith in his great family and I want to invite you this morning, if you will, to stand in response and to lift your hands in surrender. The posture of lifting of hands in church services and worship, sometimes it's exalting him. But at other times, it's like we just surrender to him. And I want to invite you right now, just begin to stand to your feet. Make that fresh surrender. I, you know... I'm going to be willing. If it means there's a few bits to be chipped off me, Lord, have your way. Have your way. And if you know this song, join in and just make it your prayer, will you reign in me? Because it starts in our hearts. And if you today want to make this prayer for the first time, you want the Lord Jesus to reign in you, please make yourself known to me or to or one of the elders after the service. Reign in me, sovereign Lord, reign in me, reign in me, sovereign Lord, reign in me, sing it again, reign in me, reign in me. Sovereign Lord, reign in me, reign in me, sovereign Lord, reign in me, captivate my heart, let your kingdom come Lord, let your kingdom come. Establish there your throne. Let your will be done. team just play I want to invite you just to make a a personal prayer to the Lord and just lift your hands to him as an outward expression of your heart reign in me Lord afresh help me to lay aside any hindrance that would prevent me from being fully built in to this magnificent temple that you're building Lord, we thank you for your presence we thank you that we have access to you Father we thank you we're citizens of your kingdom we thank you we're part of your great family and we thank you that we're part of the temple that you're building so that you can dwell amongst your people to be the hope of our fallen world that we live in. Thank you, Lord.